1: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 186 of the mom hour. I am Megan Francis here as always with Sarah Powers. What's up, Sarah? Hey, Megan. Hey, I'm excited about this topic today because it's one of our favorite topics that I feel like we've touched on in a million ways, but haven't dedicated an entire episode to, at least not in a while. And it's about raising readers, kids who read. Yeah. We love to read. We love it when our kids read. Sometimes we feel a little guilty about our kids not reading as much as we think they should, so we're gonna get into that as well. Um, And then you and Katie have something really fun that's going to happen at the end of the show.
0: Yeah. So Katie's coming back with me um, to talk about our favorite holiday and winter picture books for kids. We did a segment like this um, around Halloween and we had much demand um, for another one. So it's even a little later in December than I would like. But there's still lots of time to take our recommendations and hop on Amazon or go to your local bookstore or put them on your library um, checkout list. So yeah. just listen through the second half of the show and you'll hear Katie and I talk about that. And that yeah. kind of led to this idea of, of talking about reading. And I, love it. I have to say, it fits in with our general theme of like too much pressure being put on moms to do things a quote unquote right way. So yes. I'm really excited for this conversation because I think we're going to help you guys. Whether you have a six month old and you think that you're supposed to be doing read aloud every night before bed with your six month old, right. Or whether you have an eight year old who just doesn't like reading at all, I think this conversation is going to help you feel better because I think we have a really uh, loose or like broad definition of what it means to be a literate family. Yes. You know what I mean? So I'm excited to kind of talk everybody down a notch because this is another area where there's so much expectation put on what we're supposed to do.
1: There really is. And you know, now I've got the proof in the pudding, right? Because I had some reluctant readers and some slow readers and some late readers. And now I've got. Adult kids and teenagers and and one only one tween left. yeah, um, so I can kind of speak to what that looks like as as those slow readers grow up. It's not always what you would think,
0: yeah, exactly. And when you're a mom who loves to read and so many of our listeners are big time bookworms, then it's like then it's like you you feel this need to like make sure it happens Proof to for the your world kids. yes, <laughs> yeah to your world yeah. and make sure that your kid loves books as much as you do. And then all of a yep. sudden, we just have so much pressure. So we're going to work yep. on that today. <laughs>
1: That's from our O-U-R dot com code mom hour. Love it. And before we move on to the topic, I just need to point out that Sarah left me a Voxer message earlier today, gleefully crowing about the rain. <laughs> like, Sarah, there was so much glee
0: it's, in your voice. And it's only in Southern California that we do. that. I
1: need to tell you that it's been gray and either sleeting, <laughs> raining or like kind of that. It's not even sleet, but it's like wet snow. I don't like, I don't remember the last time I saw the sun here in Michigan. I'm so I was confused when you said it was raining. And then you said, and I'm so happy. I I was like, wait, what?
0: But my fellow Southern California, Florida, uh, well, actually Florida gets more like warm rain, but Arizona, you guys all know how it makes us so happy. It's like our version of fall, I guess. And now it's winter. I don't know. I don't know.
1: Well, as Sarah pointed out to, I think, someone on Instagram the other day, we genuinely legit love talking about the weather. So. Both
0: of us do. In fact, we, we, used to, do. we used to start the podcast and, like, accidentally talk about the weather, like, yes! every, time. every and, time. I mean, this is years ago. We've gotten better, guys. But people would be like, um, could you guys, like, get to the like, point? Get to the
1: point. <laughs> yeah anyway, one of the good things to do on a rainy day is read. So that's a great segue. Let's get I love in. It.
0: I love it. OK, so yeah, like we said at the top of the show, there is so much pressure to, quote unquote, do this right. And we're talking about raising kids who like to read and who are into books. And I think one thing I've noticed is it's really hammered home when you have babies and toddlers that you're supposed to read to them every day and incorporate yeah. it into the nighttime routine. Um, But one thing I think is this trickles off a little bit after, you know, after kids start to read on their own and nobody seems to talk about ways to have books be a part of your family when you say have like elementary aged kids. So I think that's a really interesting thing. Um, So I don't know. Where do you want to start, Megan?
1: Yeah, well, I first of all, I I just want to do some like setting the groundwork or I guess the ground rules here that like literacy doesn't have to mean like words in text on a page that you read with your eyeballs Mm -hmm. and there are so like we have this great technology we have all these ways to be literate um both in a reading and writing kind of a way and in a broader sense like there's cultural literacy there's musical literacy there's there's so many ways to be literate that I really hate that we have this narrow focus on like your baby needs to look at words on a page right or it doesn't count or your four-year-old needs to be looking at letters with their eyeballs and figuring out like not all kids, um, not all kids are visual. Yes. I mean, just to start there, just that's one place to start. But like some of them take a while to get into the idea of a story. Some of them are too busy drawing or running or like, I don't know, like beating balls against each other on the floor, like whatever to, to really attend to that. And I, I hate there's so much pressure and almost competition around it. Yes. And it also kind of, I have to say, annoys me. And I know we have so many teachers who listen and I love teachers and they're awesome, but I hate how elementary school has become so like narrowed in on this idea yeah. of like enforcing reading. Like, right. like at the like we're all white knuckling it yes. so hard. And I wish we could just relax about it a little bit. I do too.
0: I have like so much amen for that. And as we get <laughs> into our tips, I think you guys are gonna find like. We do read and we do read with our kids, but it's it's so important, I think, like you said, Megan, to broaden this definition of literacy. I also was thinking as we prepared for this, thinking about the adults in my life and the different... Al- amounts that the adults yeah. i know read some of them are bookworms some of them do not read at all and are yes. completely well-rounded educated cultured interesting fun to talk
1: to interesting fun to people, talk to yeah. adults
0: and if you think about well okay what kind of media do they consume maybe they're a listener and they listen to podcasts and audiobooks maybe they're a talker and they just pick up everything through conversation um they maybe they were a kid who loved to read and they just don't anymore as an adult or maybe yeah. vice versa maybe they didn't read yeah. at all as a kid and now They do. I mean, there's so many ways to be literate, exactly like you said. And I don't think every kid needs to be a bookworm or grow up into an adult who loves books. I don't think that's the ultimate goal. Now, having said that, I think what we're going to talk about in this episode is there are ways to set the stage at home for loving books, loving reading, and making this kind of like a family value and that you sort of, put in front just like we have music as a part of our family or yeah. what other whatever other you know home environment values you have and then you just kind of have to step back and yeah and, and know that it'll just happen or it won't in various ways.
1: Yeah, I spent some time this year texting with an old friend that I ran into again um kind of randomly and did not know this. At first I was like, is he, was he just always really, really bad at spelling? He's dyslexic. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like looked up an article about it because I thought how I didn't think I'd ever texted with a dyslexic person Mm -hmm. before. And I looked it up to see kind of like, what would that be like being, Mm -hmm. you know, you think of dyslexia or I always have as something that kind of happens when you're a kid and you Mm -hmm. deal with it in school and then you kind of don't have to deal with it again if you don't want to. But now so much of our communication is text based. Yeah. And it was just a really I read a really interesting article and it said something like when you get to know somebody who has dyslexia, you will never make like a joke about being the grammar police again. Like, uh-huh. you, like you will just think about things differently because yes. there are so many ways to be smart and yes. to know things and to absorb information that have nothing to do with looking at text. Uh, and I totally just agree. Yeah. As someone who's been very text oriented most mm-hmm. of my life, that was just enlightening for me. Yeah. I well, it's say. kind
0: of like you and I make fun of ourselves for how spatially challenged we are. But like for real, there are things where I I, would just wouldn't make sense. And so for language and print to be that way for somebody else, that's a really good
1: point. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Um, should we dive into some like, yeah, like bullets here? Yeah.
0: Well, I was going to ask like a question that comes up because a lot of our listeners have really little kids where you are reading aloud a lot. I thought we could both say, do you still read aloud to your kids? Yes or no. No pressure. And then if so, what does that look like?
1: You know what? I don't. Yeah. And it's funny because when I read your question, I had to think about it because I still think of myself as someone who reads aloud. Mm-hmm. But when I really thought about the last time I sat down and like read a story to Clara or any of them, it's been a while. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of reasons, I think we consume different kinds. Like, I think we're listening to music a lot and podcasts yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. And that kind of eats up some of the time I might have spent reading aloud. And all of my kids are now reading independently a lot. And I feel like we get to the end of the night and there's just not a lot of room for more content, frankly. Yeah. So I just I guess I just haven't. I haven't in a while. No, that's not to say I never would again. I think it's one of those things you don't realize is kind of phasing out as your kids get bigger yeah. until suddenly it's kind of you don't remember the last time you did it. Yeah. Like, I don't remember the last time I, you know, helped this kid in the bathtub or whatever. Right. When was the last time I read a story? I let it bedtime. It's it's been months. Yeah. If, if not a year.
0: Yeah. Well, I've, this is a good segue because I am right in that phase where it is starting to, you know, starting to change for sure. But I still am. So um, Violet's five and she's still kind of, you know, on request whenever she asks because she's just in like the Bob book phase of sounding out. words. Oh, yeah. We'll get yeah. to that in a minute. I don't I don't do that kind of reading with my kids at home. I'm, I just don't. I prefer to read to them a story that we can both enjoy. Um, and so I do read to her at bedtime. Brian usually has a read aloud going with one or both of the big kids who are fully capable of um, reading to themselves. He loves to read aloud and they love to listen and I love to encourage it. It's not like a it's not something that we say we have to do this every night, but usually he's working through some. Harry Potter or Tolkien or something mm-hmm. um, with them, and it kind of it kind of ebbs and flows how into it they are because they're also into their own books and maybe don't want to be read to. Um, right. But they, yeah, they are capable of reading on their own, but they still get read aloud to sometimes. Um, and then I started this thing in the summertime called Sunday Night Read in, where we all bring our books into our bed and read together for an hour. And sometimes that that's goes, fun. yeah, it is kind of fun. It was really just a way to use up extra daylight. I didn't know what to yeah. do with anybody. And we already <laughs> like watched. You just turned it into a project. Uh-huh. I lit candles and called it a thing and then yeah. it is. Um, and so that, that will happen. And sometimes the big kids will read aloud to Violet, which is really sweet. I don't, you know, it's like one of those things. I don't push it, but if I'm not available, she'll ask them and that's really sweet. So we, we do still have one kid in our house who really needs to be read to if she's going to enjoy a book.
1: I will say there's a lot of enjoying of books that happens together um but it, now everyone's kind of doing their own con- their own content their own material so Clara and I often are snuggled up in my bed both reading I love that um or you know sometimes even Owen he'll come yeah. in and pet the cat and read and you know how he likes to hang out yeah. with the cat yeah. in my bed um so there's a lot of side by side reading happening but not a lot of me physically reading out loud which yeah. you know I have to say I really love reading out loud to an extent but I am not great at reading long books out loud. I start to get really, my mouth, get, I, I get, I put a lot of energy into it and my mouth gets tired yeah. and I start to like trip over my words. And as the kids got older and started reading more difficult material, like yeah. the joy started to kind of go out of it
0: yeah. for me can,
1: reading out loud.
0: I can, um, I can see that. I don't mind it. I really do love to read aloud. Um, but I think I've shared on this show before that I can be reading aloud a book and having a completely different train of thought in my head. I don't know if everyone can do that, but I can. No, I cannot. I I think it's from so many years. So I don't recommend that. It's like phoning it in completely, but it's like splitting my attention and I can read the words out loud, especially with books I've read before. Yeah. And be completely like planning dinner or doing something
1: else. Now, that is a that is definitely a talent. I am like I do voices Oh, I don't do voices at all. And like all, so to me, it's like an immersive experience. Right. But it's kind of exhausting. That's like, how Brian is. Yeah. He's a
0: really good read alouder, and I'm—I yeah. think I'm good, but I don't do voices. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's. Since I mentioned Violet, I—I I need to get up on my soapbox a little bit, and I think you're probably the same about these emerging readers and kids who are starting to read on their own. Your kindergarten, first, second graders, and maybe they have sight words they're supposed to practice, or maybe there's an assignment at school that they're supposed to practice their reading every night. And this is another time where we love our teachers and we support them to the ends of the earth and not, but, and I feel like for moms, this kind of turns into, it turns reading from something that's pleasurable into an obligation. And sometimes the point is missed. And I think the point is to have reading be a part of the nightly routine. Okay. I can get behind that to have kids Um, enjoy reading as part of something the family does together. Totally can get behind that. But somewhere along the line, this practicing your emerging reading skills at home gets really onerous and um, can be a lot of tension. When I've I've talked about homework and similar feelings to my feelings on homework, and then it can totally backfire. So I guess um, every situation is different. And if you have a kid who's struggling and you and the teacher have worked out like the plan, here's what you're going to do each night, that's totally great. I'm not... I'm not going to knock that. But if you're just doing it because you think you're supposed to, I would recommend upping your read aloud time and read something that you both enjoy together and forget asking them to sound out words. Unless unless it's really yeah. between you and the teacher, you've decided this is what is necessary. Don't make your five and six-year-old practice their sounding out skills unless they want to. If they want to, encourage it. If they don't, just pick something you both love to read and read aloud to them. There's no, they're still getting yeah. that literacy and that, they're watching you read aloud. They're still looking at the page. There's so much they're still getting. And I just, it breaks my heart a little bit to, to see moms feeling like they need to like put their kindergartner through a second hour of school. Yeah. If it's not necessary. And that's my, if it's not necessary. Um, so well, and
1: let's define, I mean, let's, let's, okay. I I can't define necessary, but let's also (laughs) be honest that there is necessary. And I'm putting that in air quotes. As defined by the standards to which our schools are currently expected to hold small children. Right. And there's actually necessary. Right. And those things don't always jive. Right. Um, while you were talking, it, it reminded me that twice two, with two of my children have I tried to have them practice reading in both. And I'll tell you who it was. It was Jacob and Clara. Um, in both cases, it was because a teacher asked me to. Uh-huh. And in both cases, it was a terrible experience. <laughs> yeah. In both case, in neither case do I think it made any difference. Right. And in both cases, the kids started reading when they were really ready, mm-hmm. which was like a year and a half to two years later. Yep. So I just don't feel like it was, I mean, I'm glad I, I, I feel like I was, I felt guilty because I wasn't doing it. And then, you know, it was during a conference and the teacher kind of yeah. made that like, well, you know, one thing you could be doing at home is working on these sight words right. and working on these phonics. And I was like, okay. And then I went home and did it because I felt obligated and guilty. And then the kids stressed because yeah. they weren't ready, or because they didn't care, yeah, or because they they thought about books in a different way. They weren't thinking about they weren't thinking about looking at letters and sounding yeah. them out yet. And in both cases, it was very stressful. Well, and and I don't I don't think it helped.
0: And not yeah. only that, but it probably took away time away from when you could have just been picking up yep. Ramona the Pest and reading aloud. And I, I just yeah. can't emphasize enough how valuable that. Together, reading aloud time is, and I think sometimes because of s- certain school expectations, we switch from um, regular reading aloud for enjoyment to this homework-based, sounded out, listen to them read. Yeah, and then and it, if if both are happening in your house, great. And and if, if if it's working well, great. But I hate to see people switch away from the reading aloud for pleasure in favor to, of right. this other, which is not fun for anybody. And like it's you said, that, very yeah. dubiously helpful.
1: Um, I'm just glad that by the time Clara came along, I did it once and then was like, OK, I remember this ring of roll and I just dropped it. And guess what? She's still red and she's a, right? she's a greeter.
0: I mean, you guys can go do a ton of research on this, but we just recorded a potty training episode that's going to air coming up. And I was thinking about the parallels like oh, you would never potty train a whole group of, let's say, two, two years, three months old kids, all exactly the same age potty train them all exactly at the same time you would never do that because we know with potty training it could be 18 months it could be three and a half four like it's this whole long and i think reading's the same way like the fact that we put a bunch of five and a half six year olds in a classroom and then expect them to read at the same rate at the same time it just it doesn't match up with how it really works so yeah agreed soapbox um
1: love your (laughs) soapboxes
0: So I guess I would love to hear about your big
1: kids because this is so
0: kind of cool. So, well,
1: one thing that I, so one thing that I, that I think that we miss often is like, we all talk about literacy, 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 raising readers, raising readers, but we don't talk about why, like, what are our goals? Yeah, We've already established that there are many adults out there who don't read for pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's okay. And You might be raising one. And if they're not the kind of kid who's going to love reading just for reading's sake, there might be nothing you can do to force that. So when they're adults, like what skills or mindset do we hope they have? And then what do we hope they'll use that ability to achieve? So I have two kids who are bona fide adults, so I can speak to. And they were very different readers. Mm -hmm. Um, Jacob was actually not an early reader. He was one who gave me a lot of stress about reading. It took him a long time. Um, he was, you know, I'm using again, air quotes behind other kids in his grade. So put that in an age range for our, for our listeners. Like, I want to say he started legit reading at eight years old. Yeah, I, I w- that's important
0: to say because people yes. think like six is late.
1: Like, like where he could pick up a book and muddle through it. I yeah. think at six he was kind of doing Bob books, but like not really. Even yeah. that was a struggle. He had a hard time. Um, he's probably my most voracious reader now Mm -hmm. but he's an information reader he Mm -hmm. doesn't i don't know that he reads like i think he would read a book and he did in high school and stuff but like i think now he likes to absorb information and he constantly is reading he's got a great vocabulary he always had a great vocabulary Mm -hmm. he could always speak and use large words he just didn't read them with his eyeballs yeah um and now he reads a ton uh and he was the latest of all of them to really get started Mm -hmm. and then there was isaac who was more like a classic early reader he was like great at breaking down literature. So he'd, you know, he'd be the kid who'd read like, um, a war and peace or something, mm-hmm. and then be able to write a really good essay about it kind of with symbolism and all those things, which I actually was not great at, to be honest in high school. Um, but now, you know, he spends hours noodling on his guitar. He doesn't, I don't see him lying around with a book mm-hmm. and that's okay. He's mm-hmm. got a job. He spends three or four hours playing guitar every day. Like, yeah he's not reading at the moment and that's okay. I know he can, I know he knows what it feels like to pick up a book and, and get pleasure out of it. I had years where I didn't read books for fun. Like we go in and out of phases. So, um, and those are just two. I mean, it's hard to tell how the other three are going to shake out because so much of what the reading that happens when you're in school is kind of dictated by school. So it's interesting to see what two kids who aren't in school anymore are doing with their ability to read.
0: Well, and I remember because I was a literature major in college. So four years after high school, I was still reading books and writing papers on them. Like I signed yeah. up for it as I got my degree and and I can very well remember a feeling like I don't really want to read a book for like a really long time. <laughs> like I'm kind of, yeah. I'm kind of yeah. just done for a while. And like you said, I've gone through major swings of wanting to read for pleasure and then not at all and getting my information other ways. Um, so maybe we can talk about When if you do have either not a reluctant reader, but if you do have kids who are all over on this spectrum or a kid with some special needs, what are some alternatives? I have some ideas, but what are some alternatives to like traditional sit down and read a chapter book that can get kids maybe kind of start greasing the wheels a little bit? Um, I don't know if you encountered any of those.
1: There's a million things. I love the read aloud books. Um, like audio so cool. Like audio books. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, no, and the ones that read aloud for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, like Epic, Epic. Books mm-hmm. has has those in their library. I think those are like, it's the kind of thing that 25 years ago I would have been grumpy about and would have been like, oh, that's cheating. And now I'm thinking it it all serves the same purpose, right? Yeah. It's all moving us toward the same goal, which is words and stories and context and critical thinking. Like those are the kinds of things I want my kids to get to learn from being readers, not how to look at a word and make it make sense as a yeah. word in their head. Yeah. Um well, I mean, that's the way you get there, right? <laughs> but like that's not the point. It's yeah. not just reading for reading's yeah. sake. Um, so we've I've let my kids read comic books, mm-hmm. graphic novels. They've been into those. Yep. Um I've let my kids read, you know, what is considered to be trash literature. Yep. Um, I know we were gonna talk about this a little bit more later, but like I will say that, you know, sometimes that dumb series is the one that gets your kids in and hooks them. Yep. And sometimes I think you just have to grit your teeth and get through it.
0: Yep. I I totally agree. And like so many other things, as soon as we pass judgment on what our kids are reading, it's only, I mean, in most cases it's going to want, to make them read it more. I mean, it's not really yeah. gonna. It's not really gonna have right, the desired I know. effect.
1: Clara had. It was really into graphic novels for a while, and she had us. Um, she had a conference at school where it was kind of like. I don't know if your kids are doing these yet, but like a thing, a trend here is for the kids to run their own conference. Yeah, we've had a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, and on her, so she kind of had like these things I'm working on, things I could be doing to work on these. Like, and I think she's she's a fine reader, but she's not like top of her class. I mm-hmm. think she's trying to get her her skills up and she said something like I could read something I could read fewer graphic novels and that kind of hurt me a little bit yeah. I was like no no no. how about just read other stuff too yeah but you don't have to stop doing something you love yeah to make room for that like you know like that that kind of I don't know it's and I didn't make a comment I don't know if that was Clara's idea or her teacher's idea yeah. and I'm again not judging the teacher but I was like oof like yeah. I'm just so happy that she's Loving reading and graphic novels are cool. They they
0: count. They totally totally count. And again, come back to think about the adults in your lives. We consume total garbage media for fun. And then a lot of us look for more heady, you know, cerebral stuff sometimes because that feels good, too. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, I was going to recommend magazines. Um, yeah. And I know you're a big fan of having magazines out around the house. And yep. I, I've linked up my favorites. I'll link up some more in the show notes, but just keeping magazines around and keeping them in weird places, like on the kitchen counter or in the backseat of the car, if your kids don't get car sick um, or just in the car for sitting around waiting. Um, so magazines, just they're visual, they feel different. And if you have a kid who doesn't like books, it's like less pressure to just pick up. A magazine i have so. to i
1: have to point out really quickly that yesterday william was sitting at the table eating and i looked over and noticed he's flipping through better homes and gardens <laughs> and like i think he was reading some article about like decorating for holidays or something uh-huh. it was just, just kind of made me smile because i remember sitting at my kitchen table as yeah. a kid reading whatever i could get my hands yes. on catalogs magazines whatever was out which means interesting things fall into your hands yep. sometimes
0: yep absolutely so just having those things out Um, We do a lot of audiobooks, and so that I think totally counts, and you can, there's a whole host of resources online for finding good audiobooks. You can usually download them from your library without even going into the library if you have a device, so there's lots of free ways to get audiobooks. Um, And then don't forget nonfiction, because I do have a kid who often gravitates toward nonfiction, and so there's books like, you know, the Ripley's Believe It or Not, and the Guinness Book of World Records, and all of these, like, crazy like weird but true or national geographic they all make these big hard bound almost like kids encyclopedia like and i have a kid who will pour over those for facts and information so sometimes we just have a narrow expectation of it's got to be chapter books it's got to be before bed and they've got to be doing it on their own and i i don't think any of those things are true yeah no i agree um so Megan, what do you do as an adult, as the head of your household to kind yeah. of model this behavior and how's it go? Do you feel like you are modeling it well lately or yeah. how is that? Well, yeah. yes,
1: I think that what I think that my kids know that I'm a reader. I have books mm-hmm. out. Um, I, We talk about reading a lot. We yeah. talk about what, you know, what we're all reading and like what books they're reading in school. Um. We always like one of the first things, like when I've moved, I figured out where the bookshelf was going to go. Yeah. And the funny thing is the bookshelf in my living room, those are all books I've read once or twice and have nice covers. And I may never read any of those books again, but just having them yes, out, having, them you know, there. it mm-hmm. just shows like, this is something that we value. I mm-hmm. made space for this in our living space. And I like that. Um, and sometimes I just like to go look at the covers Isn't yeah. that weird? or at no. the, um, the, the spine, the, the spine. Yeah. Yes. I like to just go like run my hand over the spine of the books. Um, uh, going back to the series thing i remember owen getting really into series i want to say it was guardians of gahool okay i really got him it's got like an owl really pretty owl illustration okay. on the cover and those weren't super dumb well like it may have even been like a michigan chillers which okay. are dumb i'm just okay. gonna say like they're they're fine they're like they're like candy bar reads, right yeah. it's like a yeah. um It's a oh no 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 the Michigan Chillers I think was Isaac he got really into those but they're like mystery stories they're like about and they take kind of yeah yeah, but they take place in Michigan it's a local author so the author comes to the kids' schools often okay okay talks to them and stuff and when I say dumb I'm not knocking this author they serve a purpose right they're like stories about written about kids solving mysteries and going through spooky things and they take place in Michigan which the kids have been to all the like many of the places that are written about the books which they think is cool yeah and like. You know, I could have been like, oh, could we go for some more high literature, yeah. but I didn't. Yeah. And I think that that helped. Um and kind of along those lines, I think sometimes it's an author that really turns a kid on. And yeah. for Clara, it was Roald Dahl. Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't I had no idea how many books Dahl had written. Like so many. So many. We, so many. And there's there's a lot that are kind of off the beaten
0: path that my kids have loved. And they are surprisingly short. You think of Doll, you think of the BFG and Matilda and a couple of other ones that are a little bit on the longer side, James and the Giant Peach, which is actually my least favorite of those. Don't hate me. Matilda is one of my favorite children's literature books of all time, like top And I love some of the other ones. I don't love James and the Giant Peach, but then there's all these, there's the fantastic Mr. Fox. There's, um, I didn't even
1: know that was a doll book. Yeah. Danny uh, champion
0: of the world and the twits. The the twits was,
1: I grew up reading the twits and that was a book I held onto and made all of my kids read it. So
0: Reed has probably read the twits like a thousand times and I actually haven't read that one, but there's a whole bunch. There's, there's a ton. Um, and that isn't, yeah, that is a great The twits is a
1: fast read too. It doesn't take very long, Yeah. my point to that is like, as soon as I knew that she, that was kind of the first author, like the first real legit author she got into that Uh wasn't kind of like a picture book or like a, you know what I mean? But like legit chapter book, adult kind of book author. Um, I just bought them all. Like I bought as many as I could. I just, I went on Amazon one day and, and just loaded up on them because she was so into it and she burned through them so fast. And I think sometimes just like Indulging those yes. indulging those streaks. Yep. Is like a really important way to do that.
0: Yeah. And it's a very subtle way to just send the message that you are a hundred percent in support of this reading. The kids might not even pick up on it, but you're just it's like if they if you discover they like a vegetable or something, it's yes. like all of a sudden, like start serving that vegetable at every dinner because you gotta run with it. So I agree. I was gonna I I made a note that I will drop everything to either go to the library or to get on the computer and reserve a book at the library in a way that I'm not quite as like quick to accommodate all yes. the requests. I have three kids who have a lot of requests. Mom, can we go here? Can you do yeah, yeah, can yeah. you order this from Amazon? And if it's book related, I am just You're I in. just do it. I'm all in. I do it right away. Um when we do go to we go to the library quite a bit, I always let them pick their own stuff without kind of commentary or judgment. But I will sometimes pick out something that I think looks good. And then I'm just subtle about it. I'll just leave it out on the counter or put it in their room with the stack of the rest. And there's zero pressure. And related to that, I just, I try not to judge what they're reading ever, even if Mm -hmm. I think it's garbage, just like you were saying. Um, Because so far now we haven't ever run into a situation where it was something I truly didn't want them to read. So maybe that would be different, but so far, it just has felt like that would be counterproductive. And like, like yep. we were saying, they often will, they'll take in both, like the, the fluffy garbage stuff and then, you know, more quote unquote literary stuff. And they're getting that at school anyway. So I'm just, I'm all about the, the pleasure aspect.
1: I want to mention one thing really quick yeah. about the um, leaving stuff lying around and no pressure. Yeah. You never know when those might hit a nerve. Yeah. Like it could be years yeah. So don't feel pressure if there's a book that you really want, because you remember reading that book when you were nine yeah. years old and you really want your child to like experience that book and they're nine. And all of a sudden, like, you, yeah. you feel like you want them to have it now. Yeah. They might be like 19 and pick yeah. it up when they come home at Thanksgiving from college yeah. and read it then. Like, you just yeah. don't know. I remember reading this whole series of They're called Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories, and I think they're religious. They're they're religious in some way. I don't know if they're related to any particular religion, but I remember my my stepmom, who's Seventh Day Adventist, so maybe they're Seventh Day Adventist. Okay, leaving them like lying around, and they were written in the, uh, like I want to say 30s 40s, maybe. So Mm -hmm. they have all those awesome like illustrations, Mm -hmm. and there's lots of talk of kids eating like raspberry tarts and crap, like Mm -hmm. just stuff Mm -hmm. that like it's very kind of wholesome feeling. Yeah, I read the entire set three times through when I was 15, 15, because I guess I got bored. I don't know. I picked yeah. him up and was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. And I just read them all. Yeah. And then I went back and read them all again and all so again. Funny. So you so just funny. never know. Like, you never know when something's going to get catch their eye.
0: You never know. And I want to come back to the reading aloud because we got away from that a little bit. Um, yeah. But the same is true for, I've had an experience where I've started a read aloud when I thought my kids would be really into it and they just aren't. I remember that was Charlotte's Web um, and just, I think the kids were too young or it was too boring. They didn't like the language. I loved the language, but they didn't. So um, don't let that discourage you from ever reading aloud again. I think just like everything else, it might be too early. It might not be the right book. There's so many great resources online for recommending good read alouds. I'll link up a few in the show notes that are my favorites, but um, you can also try other weird stuff. You can try reading poetry, the funny poems, like, you know, the Shel Silverstein poems. Like there's no, there's nothing that says it has to be Charlotte's Web when they're six, or it has to be Little House on the Prairie with your daughters because that's what you remember. It just you can get creative and still read aloud. I I would, same thing. I just would hate to see people not read aloud because it didn't work out that one time you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, this is a good time to mention you were on the Read Aloud, read aloud Revival podcast quite yeah. a while ago. But if you guys, listeners, aren't familiar with that podcast, tell them what it is, Megan.
1: Yeah, so it's a fantastic, um, first of all, I just love Sarah's voice.
0: Okay, Sarah McKenzie is the host. Sarah McKenzie, mm-hmm. yes.
1: So she's the host of the show and she's just got like the most, like the sweetest and like most pleasant voice to listen to, I think. So she has a podcast that's all about reading aloud to your kids mm-hmm. basically and, and how to do it in a real way. Yeah. Like acknowledging that none, that most of us have other things going on. Maybe our kids aren't that interested. Maybe we're not that interested. Like what, how do we kind of this idea, like how do we bring reading aloud back as an idea mm-hmm. without the pressure and I, I we had a conversation now this was three four years ago I was mm-hmm. at a very different place then and I had two little younger kids who I was still reading to pretty regularly out loud um but we did talk about the fact that sometimes you fall off the wagon and you don't do it for a while and then yeah. you get back on and she's got some really great strategies so she was on the home hour in 2014 and then I was on her show must have been the same year Yeah, or I think maybe, it was around yeah? the same
0: time maybe yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we'll link to that in the show notes yeah. as
0: well. Yeah, and she that's a great resource. And she does lots of book lists and blog posts on her site too, so you both the podcast as well of her, as her book list. And then I just wanted to mention a couple other times where we've gone deep into this idea. We do have an episode on bedtime routines where we talked about this a little bit more. It's episode 80. Um, and an episode I love that I had forgotten about is called Raising Lifelong Learners. And it would be a great oh, yeah. companion to this one because it wasn't just reading. We talked about other ways that kids get interested in a a subject or a topic and they just run with it. Um, And then a really old one called finding kids media that isn't terrible. And in that, (laughs) I think I talked about like, like how we get books from the library and where I, where I figure out what to get for my kids. And that also includes things like podcasts and audio books. And even, I think even we talked about TV and movies, like just finding good quality media. So we have a bunch and I'll link all of those up in the show notes.
1: Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash momhour. The deal not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash momhour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
0: All right. So Megan, pretty soon we're going to welcome Katie and she and I are going to chat specifically about picture books for the holidays and wintertime. But I thought it would be fun to ask you, um, since you won't be part of that segment, what your, do you have a favorite holiday book, kids or grownups or otherwise? I don't, I
1: don't like the question, do you have a favorite? I know. So I'm going to mention, I'm going to say, I'm going to recommend three and okay. I'm going a little off the beaten path here. Okay. Um, one book that my entire family has loved is Krampus the Devil of Christmas. Oh I'm just opening it on Amazon now and I do not (laughs) I
0: am not familiar with
1: this. Okay so the the idea behind the book is that many cultures through time maybe all cultures have like a dark side Uh of the holidays and it has been represented in kind of an evil Christmas character. Okay so Krampus is one I think Krampus might be German and basically they're their role is to scare and or beat children into good behavior. Oh my gosh. Um, and these are very like Victorian yeah. concepts, right? But the book is amazing. It's got like these really, really disturbing, but very cool illustrations and stories about like, I think Krampus puts children in burlap sacks and hits them and stuff like just like <laughs>
0: terrible oh, things my to get
1: them to obey. But my kids love it now. I bought it for Jacob when he was probably like 15.
0: Yeah. And so the it's book past, is, like, you wouldn't read it to a four-year-old
1: no but now but i was actually a little bit like when the boys pulled it out a little while ago and started reading it out loud and i was a little afraid clara might be disturbed by it but she's kind of got a little bit of a twisted sense of humor yeah she loved it and she loved the art you know she's an artist and the the pictures are amazing like the illustrations are you know um, 1800s and early 1900s and they're just really cool it's a fun it's a fun gift for an older kid or a young adult or just for your own pleasure um I just found a version of the night before Christmas on my bookshelf that I had to think for a few minutes like, where did it come from? I'm pretty sure this book was on my bookshelf when I was a kid. It's just in really oh, good wow. shape, but that's because, you know, Christmas books don't get read that much, right. Right? right? So it's a really slender little volume. It's called the It's The Night Before Christmas, but it's illustrated by Arthur Rackham and I had to look him up. Okay. Um R-A-C-K-H-A-M. Okay. He was a British um, Victorian era artist. And so the picture so it's, you know night before christmas poem right but it's illustrated by this man's um by this man's pictures and it's okay. really cool it's like like a kid again who just wants to flip through yeah i mean everyone knows the story and yeah it's an easy read aloud but it's it's just like a fun one to pull the illustrations the make a
0: big difference we they do this season we've already read a couple different versions that we have and i definitely have preferences um yeah so yeah
1: this one's a cool one. I don't know that the pictures would hold a really little kid's attention. I think it's like a bigger kid book. Okay. Um, and then for myself, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I will tell you, A Christmas Carol was the first Dickens book I got all the way through. Yep. Because it's short. Mm-hmm. You already know the story. Yep. And it's an easy read, like relatively speaking. And I really wanted to read Dickens like my whole life. And I kept failing because I'd get three chapters into like, you know, I don't know, Tale of Two Cities or yeah. something. And then I would forget to go back to it or I just get so exhausted by the language. I just couldn't continue. But I really like A Christmas Carol. And I'm thinking this year I might actually have it playing, um, have the audio book just kind of playing in the background sometimes when I would have had Christmas music on. Because it's the kind of book I probably wouldn't read out loud. I think I'd get tired. You know, I wouldn't want to keep it up. But it and it's not the kind of book you have to attend really closely to. Yeah. Because, again, everyone knows the story. Yeah. So just kind of having it as background sound, I think, is one of my plans.
0: Well, this is kind of a fun twist, but we've been doing this podcast so long that two years ago, maybe three years ago, we had an episode where somehow we got around to the fact that I had never read Dickens and you (laughs) told me this story and I (laughs) got it on my iPad and read it that year which is now two years ago but I can just second all of those things that you said because I hadn't I since have tried to read Great Expectations and I got almost all the way to the end and then it had to be returned to the library and I wasn't that sad but I did read quite a bit of Great Expectations but you're right A Christmas Carol is totally digestible Dickens and it's funny it's actually like it's light and funny yes
1: it's light and funny yeah
0: I love it um okay well before we get to Katie I have one more little fun sponsor shout out and that is to Studio. So we've partnered with Studio over the years a few times and they just sent up some new earbuds to try for this season. If you're not familiar Studio makes um, really high quality Bluetooth and wireless uh, headphones and earbuds, so we got to try them, and we also got to give some away to our Instagram followers. But they have a fifteen percent off promo code right now, which I'm going to give you guys right now. So if you missed out on the giveaway, you can still shop at studioSweden.com, and the promo code is the Mom Hour Fifteen. I'll link that up in the show notes, and you can check out our Instagram for more. But I wanted to give them a quick shout out before we. I move also on. want
1: to point out that someone on our Instagram said that they liked the look of the studio earbuds better than AirPods. Mm-hmm. And I would like like to put like a thousand times yes yeah. because I think AirPods look weird.
0: Their it's their design is just so pretty. Their stuff is so pretty. Studios, Studios. is so pretty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It
1: it really is. It's like really if you want to look really attractive at the gym while yes. listening.
0: Uh, You'll want to check that out. And just feel really happy about your snazzy (laughs) headphones. Exactly. All right. Well, Megan, uh, this was great. We'll be back on Friday for another holiday special. So it won't be too long for you guys. And then stick around. Katie and I are coming up next. Hey, guys. I'm back with Katie. Hey, Katie. Hey, Sarah.
2: It's been a long time since we recorded. I know. But we are still in the holiday season because every time
0: we see each other, it's like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yes. So we are excited to talk about our favorite holiday books and we have a lot to cover. Um, we got a lot of great feedback when we did this at Halloween. And just to remind you guys, we, we together are going to put together a blog post at themomhour.com that has all of these books and their links and probably a few more because we're probably not going to even have time to get to all the ones we wanted to mention so that'll go up at the same time as this episode. It's not in the show notes. It's not the same as the show notes, but I'll link to it in the show notes and it'll be its own list.
2: So, yeah, and we had a lot of great comments on the last one. So yeah. make sure
0: you visit the blog post again yeah. and share your favorite And then Christmas just bookmark reads. it for next year. I have a little bit of like obsessive calendar guilt that this isn't going up like a week ago, but that's okay. There's time, there's still time this year. And then bookmark it for next year. Yeah. Okay. So Katie's here at my house. We're in my family room. We all have. We're surrounded by books, but we haven't really. I don't know what she has with her. So, or if you have themes or a structure, you could just go. We're surprising each other. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and start off with a picture, touch, and feel book. Oh, nice. Listeners know that I am a huge fan of anything interactive, whether it's lift the flap or touch and feel. And this touch and feel title is called One Night in Bethlehem, and I feel like. um Well, for us and our family, I like to kind of set the foundation around Advent for why we in our family celebrate Christmas, which is more about Jesus and him being the reason for the season and not so much Mm -hmm. Santa and getting and gimme, gimme, gimme. So for us, um, I like this book because it's a little bit of a different take on the nativity. Um, It has the child imagine if they were one of the animals or- individuals at the nativity Mm -hmm. and what that would be like. Mm -hmm. And then of course, a little touch and feel sensory um, element on every page. I love it. And who's the author? The author is Jill Roman and get what her last name is. Lord. Oh, (laughs) Jill Roman Lord.
0: Okay. Yeah. One night in Bethlehem. Yes. Um, Well, I have to mention really quick, this is not what I picked, but I have another board book that's nativity based called Room for a Little One. And it's beautiful. And it's also kind of about the animals. I'll link it up. I'm not going to talk about it, but it was right here. And as you were talking, oh, I like that. Yeah. That one's called Room for a Little One. Well, I'll start with the babies too. And my disclaimer is that this book, which is called Baby Elf's Christmas by Jane Cowan Fletcher. I looked it up on Amazon. It is available, but it's not like five dollars prime because I think it's starting to go out of print now my sister did buy it and I want to say it was like 15 bucks which if you're looking at it it's a little board book but maybe it's at your library or maybe you can like if you like secondhand books so I hate recommending books that are it look it seems like it's maybe on its way out of print but it's called baby elf's Christmas it is a board book and it it's just follows baby elf's first Christmas but the illustrations are so cute because he look he's an elf but he looks just like a human toddler, like a (laughs) one-year-old with pointy ears. Yes. With pointy ears, with little elf features and (laughs) it it has nice rhymes. And it's just, there's little details in it about how he's a little afraid of Santa. It's a very, um, if you've had a one-year-old at Christmas time, this little baby elf is like what that reminds you of the way he looks. He's a little intimidated. He likes the lights and it's just very sweet and simple. So it's called baby elf's Christmas, Jane Cowan Fletcher. It is on Amazon and I'll link it up in the, Love that. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, I have books that I'm going to couple um, okay. together as one. So both of these titles are actually, um, written by an author named Jan Brett. Yes. Love Jan Brett. I didn't realize that she was such a prolific oh, author super. in general, yes. but yes. super prolific, but more so in the, in the holiday, would you say more so in the holiday well, I genre? Like she
0: has this Scandinavian Northern. She's not, I went, to, I thought she was like Danish and I looked it up and she's, She's from the U S she's American. Okay. It, she is like Vermont based or something. Okay. Which, yeah.
2: Okay. I love that you're classifying her that way because I was, I was thinking, how am I going to classify or describe these illustrations of Jan Brett? If you, if you're not familiar, yeah, with it book? very
0: much looks, it's like Scandinavian folktale-ish yes. completely. Yeah. yeah. So
2: the one cool thing about these two titles that I'm going to mention is though one of them is written by Jan Brett. There is another by the same title, um, another version of the same book. So the two titles are The Hat and The Mitten. Mm-hmm. And um, what's fun about Jan Brett is the same cast of animal characters mm-hmm. appear in all of her kind of holiday mm-hmm. collection. And in, in going through some other Jan Brett titles, um, she's also got some other kind of whimsical creatures okay. in her in her books like have you seen ones um that have trolls in them well this home for
0: christmas that i have here it has trolls
2: oh okay yeah. so it's it's um fun to see trolls <laughs> um okay so anyway um same cast of animal characters but the hat and the mitten both involve animals wearing human clothing yeah. that are knit yeah. and so they're both super cozy because you just see um blankets of snow everywhere yeah. and the animals in addition to their fur think that wearing human clothes will make them even cozier and how could they not that is really cute um but i will mention the mitten um like i said also by jan brett i have a different version that is retold by jim alesworth okay um and sarah and i compared she has the mitten by jan brett i have this one by jim alesworth and the, the one that I have is a little more extensive in um, introducing the human character mm-hmm. before it goes into the whole um, animals wearing his, mm-hmm. this little boy's mitten. Um, but apparently this originated as a Ukraine folktale. Yeah,
0: I would believe that. And I think that's kind of the stuff she does. I'm sure the other ones are too, yeah. like yeah. kind of folktale based.
2: And it's very cute. Um, the animals all try and climb into this mitten and um, the animals try and turn all the other animals away, but
0: they all kind of squeeze in and then eventually the mitten bursts. It's really cute. It's, it's a very cute, cute I'll have story. to check out the one that you have. Um, I'll just mention quickly the other two Jan Brett Christmas ones that we have. Home for Christmas is about trolls. And it's really cute. There's kind of a naughty... It's like a naughty naughty brother and a good sister. So if, if there, there's some nice, like, very... But it's told in a very, um, happy way. Like not a, like the naughty kid gets what's coming to him, but he does kind of grow a conscience a little bit. Oh, there's a little bit of that. Okay. Um, he's kind of a stinker. And then we also have one called animal Santa, which I think I got last year and I don't even think I've really read it, but it's another Jan Brett. There's a whole bunch that we can link to. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to pair my next two also. And this category, I'm giving them a category and the category is holiday books that are really more for grownups because oh, they I tug those. at sentimental heartstrings that your kids oh. really don't care about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have two, we have a few like this in my house and I still read them aloud to my kids and they'll listen, but they don't have the adult um, nostalgia and sentimentality where you're like crying by the end. Oh, they, you know, they don't one care. of those. Yeah. So the one is called the carpenter's gift and it is a Christmas tale about the Rockefeller center Christmas tree. And it has ties to Habitat for Humanity because in the sto- there is a story about using lumber to build houses for those in need. It's not heavy handed, but I don't know if Habitat for Humanity commissioned this book, if it was done in partnership with them. And there's also some true elements, but it's told in a story. It's called The Carpenter's Gift, and you will be crying by the middle of it. And like oh, you wow. will keep crying till the very end. Oh, the other one. You don't cry till the very end. And it's called Lighthouse Christmas. It's by Tony Buzeo. And again, I'll link both these up. Um, Lighthouse Christmas also is based in a true story about um, lighthouse Santas, which were in the far northeast, like New England. Okay. And they would airdrop um, Christmas packages for families who were stationed way out Coast Guard. Well, I don't even know if it was Coast Guard at that time, Um, but who were stationed way out on these tiny, tiny islands off of Maine and Massachusetts. Um, who wouldn't otherwise get Christmas, but it's, again, it's told in a story of this family and by the end you're crying. So those are more like add to your collection. Your kids probably won't appreciate them in the way that you will, but they're both really like heartstrings.
2: Ooh, I'm going to have to add those to my list for sure. Okay. Well, I will lighten it up with, (laughs) um, my next two that I'm also pairing. So these next two are alphabet Christmas. Nice. Actually one is a Christmas. One is a Hanukkah book. Okay. So I picked this one, the ABCs of Christmas up last year at Target. Okay. I just, um, could Can not I see
0: the cover pass by okay. the cute. cover
2: without picking it up, especially because board books are on the, um, less expensive end yeah. when you're kind of building yeah. your holiday yep. collection. So, um, even though my four-year-old is kind of phasing out of alphabet books, uh, my two-year-old is not, yeah. so it's perfect. So it's just, um, I mean, alphabet primer, but yeah. the, the other one that I'll mention is it's called D for dreidel. Okay. And I, this, this guy, um, has an entire collection of alphabet primers that are themed differently. Okay. So you don't just find, um, holiday alphabet primers, but he'll also have like an alphabet primer for baby scientists. Okay. And, alpha- yeah, and, cute. and the illustrations are just, again, knock your socks off retro. Yeah. Um, so cute. Yeah. And I love that. Um, you know, he has a, a Hanukkah version, yeah. D for dreidel. Yeah.
0: Well, we, okay, this is a side note, but when you and I did our gift guide last year, one of the things I mentioned about books, not holiday books, but giving books in general, is I don't mind having board books even for older kids. And you can find um like the the one we were just talking about, the mitten by Jan Brett. I have a board book version, but it's the same. Right. And um I think especially if you're adding new babies and new toddlers, it's a great way to have books for your older child around that aren't gonna get ripped up. I mean, we had major book rippers among my children. Yeah. So you, I mean, you are literally surrounded by my holiday books and there's quite a few board books and my youngest is five and we still keep out the board books and you know, only the ones that are truly like kind of too simple for an older kid to appreciate, but most of them are the regular picture books just in board back format, board book format.
2: Right. And the durability you're right. Yeah. You can't beat that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, I have, how many more do you have? I just have one last. Okay. So I'll just do one more as well. Um, so this is my favorite Christmas picture book that I have discovered, like since I became a mom, I have a few favorites like that I remember from growing up and all that, but this that I just discovered myself, it's called the Christmas magic. It's by Lauren Thompson. Um, and it just tell, so it tells the story of Santa getting ready to leave. But in a way that no other Santa book does. I'm just flipping the pages so Katie can kind of see the illustrations. The illustrations I think are watercolor. Yep. They're really beautiful. There's no elves or Mrs. Claus or anything else. Santa just has reindeer and it's told in this very I would say like kind of n- natural, almost realistic if we can go there. Way yeah. like he's just this little old man in his house by himself. Um, and it's all about anticipating the magic of when it's finally time to take off. And so if you, the way I talk about Santa with my kids is always about like what I imagined, what I imagined when I was a kid was this, or what I like to think about is this. Like I don't answer any specific questions with very like, here's how it is. Cause in some books there's a Mrs. Claus, in some books there's not, in some books there's elves. This is like the way I would like to imagine Santa. And so um, the language is beautiful. The illustrations are beautiful. It's a little bit of a different look and take on Santa. And so I don't know. I just love it. It's called The Christmas Magic.
2: That's a new title to me too. Yeah. That reminds me of the Eric Carl book, Dream Snow. Oh, Do you I know have, that you one. Know, I think I've heard the title, but I don't think I've read it. Okay. So it it's not explicitly an overt Santa story, uh-huh. but it is a man who looks like Santa. Uh-huh. And he's a farmer and he names his five animals by number. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Um, and there's this mad rush at the very end of the story because he has forgotten, he's forgotten and he's loading up his bag. He's cute. And he ends up putting one, two, three, four, five Christmas presents under a tree. So he never is overtly called Santa, but I mean, he looks like Santa. This,
0: This guy is called Santa, but he wears blue. He looks different than kind of cartoonish Santa's. And, um, there's something really beautiful about the way it's described. It's just him and the reindeer up there and they're getting ready in all these very kind of slow, simple ways. He feeds them. He shines the sleigh. It's not, yeah, it's really, it's just different. And I love it.
2: Very routine and ritual oriented. It sounds like Sarah, I can understand why you love him. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, I will, um, end off with a title that Sarah and I actually both have. I'm sure we all have it. It's the night before Christmas, but in this particular version and listeners that you probably grew up with a similar one or the one, the same one um, it's illustrated by Douglas. I think that's a G Gorse line. Okay. And when you see the cover, you'll immediately recognize it. It is a very vintage illustrated kind of pencil sketch. Yeah. It's style. Almost, they're almost like wood
0: cuttings or something like, like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Very,
2: very detailed pencil sketch yeah. and then, and then filled in with color, yeah. but, um, but very vintage, uh, you know, um, drawings yeah. essentially. So anyway, it's just
0: um, the tale of the night before Christmas yeah. and a great one to read. And that is, it's definitely the one I grew up having around. I think that one is from like published in the seventies. So a, by the time a lot of us were little, that may have been kind of the, the one. one yeah. and I just, I do remember that Santa as a kid, kind of, that's how I pictured him because yeah. of that book. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's a, a good one. one. Um, okay. And then we are going to wrap up, but I wanted to give a general shout out to my favorite, um, source for book lists. And that is a blog. Um, the blogger's name is Erica and this is like her entire blog pretty much is book lists and it's called what do we do all Um, she has some other, she, not just book lists. She also does stuff about, um, kind of indoor activities that are screen free, like that kind of thing. So like lots of family games and like simple activities type of thing. Um, But she has more than 200 book lists. So separate blog posts that are each a roundup of books by some theme. So there, there's so many, and this has become pretty much my only place I go. So this year I went to her holiday section and she has several different holiday book lists. And the ones I looked at, were, um, there's one called timeless Christmas books, one called new Christmas picture books. And I think I looked at Christmas chapter book read-alouds for families. Um, she also has multicultural Christmas books, um, a whole bunch Hanukkah picture books anyway. So I will link up her blog, um, in the show notes. And we did go through one of those lists and reserve a bunch at the library this year. And I don't know that any of them that I'm going to buy, but it was a really good way to just, you know, my kids are trying to remember all these books. And while I want to read them over and over again, I do think that bringing in a little bit of fresh meat at this point um, spices it spices up. It up. So we yeah. had a lot of fun. And um, the one book I'll give a shout out to is called The Christmas Extravaganza Hotel. It was really funny. So if you have kind of middle grade kids who appreciate humor, um, that one's by Tracy Corduroy. I'll link that one specifically up. But we got it from the library and it was good. So. Yeah. All right. So Katie, you'll be back in a month or so. We'll have to think about what we're going to talk about.
2: Tonight. I know. Maybe we can do a roundup of books to a different theme or something.
0: Let us know what you think, guys. I know the feedback we got was that you really like the book roundup. Um, okay. Well, happy holidays, everybody. Katie, thanks for being here. And guys, go to the show notes for this episode at the themomhour.com. And then we'll link up that blog post, which will be an, a comprehensive list of these books. Sounds good. Have a cozy holiday, everybody. keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by the Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time.
0: Yeah. And with summer fast approaching now is a great time to get the essential calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at the essential slash the mom hour. That's 10% off at the essential slash the mom hour.